Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. This episode, we talk with Jeremy Clark, the principal at St. Patrick Grade School in White Lake, Michigan. Jeremy has struggled with an illness for the past few years, and we get to hear how his faith has really helped him bear that cross, and more than just bear it, but glorify God through his suffering. Uh, Really looking forward to our conversation with Jeremy. Welcome to Open Door Policy. Jeremy, it's great to have you. Thank you for letting me be here. I, I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. And it's good to have you with us too, Father Steve. Thanks, Danielle. You're welcome. Here for you. Let's dive Uh, in. You ready for rapid fire questions? Hit me. Okay, first one. What was the coolest article of clothing you had when you were a kid? Um, Michael Jordan jersey. Still have it in my closet right now. Um, And what is the weirdest food you have ever eaten? Well, I mean, it's got to be calamari. I mean, it's not not weird now, but it, it is squid. Yeah. That's true. Do you have a favorite piece of religious art? Uh, I have um, uh, St. John Paul II, his papal cross uh, around my neck right now. And it's also on the wall in my office. Oh, cool. If your life was made into a movie, what genre would it be? And who would play you? Comedy and probably someone on stilts. <laughs> <laughs> What do you remember about church as a kid? I just remember it uh, just large and the the sun coming through the stained glass windows is probably the best image that I have from it. All right. So I have the important questions now, the next five. Uh, Jeremy, hamburger, pizza, or taco? Can you say all three? No. Pizza. 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 Okay. (laughs) Of all the places you've traveled, where would you like to go back to? Niagara Falls. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? If you open your heart to the Lord and let him in, then uh, he's going to guide you. If you had to teach a class, you're a teacher, but if you had to teach a class on one thing, what would you be best at teaching a class? Uh, I, I taught English language arts It was uh, for eight years in middle school, so I would, I would say that. What grade? Eighth grade. Eighth grade language arts, all right. There you go. And then if you could pick your confirmation saint today, who would you choose? St. John Paul II. JP two. Awesome. Great. Thank you. That's also Father Steve Polis, one of his favorite saints. Yeah, yeah, I think so many people love John Paul II, but you mentioned him twice yeah. here. Like, you have a pretty close connection with him? I do. Um, he is the unofficial uh, patron of Parkinson's disease. So um, let alone the, just he was a saint living amongst us on earth, just that connection that I have to him is, is very powerful for me. Awesome. Yeah. Now, other question, language arts, very, very broad. Do you have, like, a favorite thing, like – plays, poems that you like about language arts? I always did a poetry unit that was just phenomenal. Do you have I, a favorite poet? Uh, no, I, well, I'm, you probably wouldn't know some of the musical artists that I listen to. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Try, try I was like, okay, try maybe us. I Give do. Give us one. Uh, let's go uh, Maynard James Keenan. Oh, yeah. I've oh, heard, yeah, my favorite. Maynard, yeah. Mm, seen him live like four times. If you had, you, 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 you would remember it. <laughs> J- 
Jeremy, how tall are you? Six feet, nine inches without shoes. Six, nine. So um, your MJ jersey was your favorite thing growing up. But you're from Detroit. What are you doing having a Michael Jordan jersey? He's the goat. Detroit here. He's the goat. Wow. (laughs) Were you always an MJ fan? Always. Repeat, repeat. But, you know, the bad boys days, I was, uh, you know, I I went to all the Pistons games. But uh, he just, I mean, he was the greatest. Maybe I destroyed the game. Well, maybe you're just making excuses. Do you still play? I do. Uh, we just had a game against our eighth graders uh, on Friday, and now I'm coaching my son's uh, second grade team too. So that's got to be fun. So we got to stay in the basketball theme because mm. I love hoops. When uh, when did you first dunk? When could you first dunk? Junior year of high school. Okay. Did you play in like throughout high school? I did. Yeah, uh, since I was eight. But I used to play in leagues at Joe Dumars for for a number of years. Um, Got a couple of championships there, so I don't, I don't know if that matters. But <laughs> no, that, that's worth something. I still yeah. enjoy it. I can still dunk, and let me tell you, when you have 500 uh, 4 to 14-year-olds, uh, that if you do that one thing and it just makes them light up, then, then you do it. Jeremy, would you be so kind as to tell us a little bit more about yourself, a little bit more about your story, your testimony, how you came to where you are right now? Absolutely. Um, well, I, I guess I would start with my mother. Um, she uh, she was a product of Catholic schools and chose to send my brother and I uh, as well. I went to St. Clement in Centerline K-12, through and then I, I actually ended up teaching there for five years. Um Moved on to St. Pat, uh, excuse me, St. Lawrence in Utica, middle school language arts for two years, and then I got the assistant principal position at St. Patrick in White Lake. Um, I'm the principal there now. Um, so, you know, born and raised Catholic. Um, you know, mom driving us to school every day, uh, driving us to to church every day. Um, but, you know, you know, you fast forward to the strength of my faith now. Um, it, it, you know, I guess it, when when you're at your lowest. It's, it's the easiest to open yourself up. And um, about four years ago, I developed a tremor in my left hand. Um, and over that course of that year, it, it slowly moved up my arm. And then um, a year later, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So that was about um, 34 years old that I had the, the wow. diagnosis. So 33 when, when it mm-hmm. actually began. Um, and I was told over the phone. Uh, if you can imagine that kind of news <laughs> yeah. uh, on a phone call, um, you know, and then, you know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I started doing research and looking into it and, you know, you just, you don't know what's going to happen. How long am I going to be able to walk? How long am I going to be able to play basketball? How long am I going to be able to, to speak? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of the research is, uh, you know, only about 2% of the people that have this are, you know, 40 years old or younger. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the research is based on, you know, people at more in more advanced age. Um, so, that led me to, um, you know, in October of that year. So it was August I was diagnosed. In October, uh, we went on the eighth grade trip to uh, Washington, D.C. Um, with, the, with the kids, and we went to the National Cathedral. And, you know, they had all moved on to the gift shop, and I just stayed and, and, and prayed. And this is the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. This is well. This is the, the this is the, the National, National Cathedral. Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right, we did yeah. go to the Basilica as well, which is an incredible, incredible place. Um, but uh, that was the first time that I felt the physical presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in all my years of of questioning, and you know, as a kid, you know, you you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, but there's no other way to explain it than it it, it was God. Um, what did that feel like? 
Well, I, I try to explain this uh, to kids, and the best way I can explain it is the warmest, tightest hug from your, mm. your dad, but completely enveloping you. Um, and I wept, you know, but when, when I got back up, I felt stronger and I felt reassured. And um, then in November, so, uh, you know, fast forward to November, I found out that the, the principal was, was leaving. Um, I was the interim. And then at the end of December, uh, Father uh, announced to my staff that I was going to be the principal and then announced to the whole community that January um, that I was going to be named the principal of St. Patrick and White Lake. And only this year did I find out how many parents um, and, and families went and requested that I, that I be moved up. And that's just a, it's a humbling, humbling experience. And, you know, and then the course of this year, working with the parish, the different groups of people, the volunteering that they've all done and the support that I've gotten. And, you know, the Lord has spoken to me multiple times this year, you know, up late, just writing down thoughts, wondering where they come from. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at the very end, you just, you know, that the Holy Spirit was there. You know, the the parish day of renewal, you know, I felt uh, a a reassurance and and, and a renewal. And I, I just know that he's leading me. And, you know, it took until now, it took uh, a disease um, to for me to be weak enough to be stronger and and to just let him lead lead the way. So you said that's been about four years from mm-hmm. that first experience. Yep. Have you had that other? Have you had that experience again other times, or has that felt differently? Or you know, how's your faith been in the years since that kind of really watershed moment? Uh, the best way I can feel it, explain it is like if there's a string attached to your heart and is just pulling you, you know, pulling you along and, and telling you which way to go. And, you know, before this podcast, I was looking at classes in, in theology and exploring where that might take me and feeling that renewal and that strength of wanting to build a strong Catholic community, you know, at my school, mm-hmm. but within the archdiocese. And really, um, you know, we talk about evangelization mm-hmm. and it, it takes a community and it takes a testimony and being open to sharing, you know, your personal um interactions with God um, that'll help open those doors for others. I really liked what you said. When you're when you're at your lowest, it's when it's the easiest to open yourself up. Can you talk a little bit more to that point? Well, you know, you when something happens, when when you're faced with um, death or, or disease, you know, um, it, it's easy to to you know ask him why or, mm-hmm. or to blame even. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I actually, uh, I, I left out that I, I was listening to a homily where it, we, it was explained that we're not bodies with souls, we're souls with bodies, you know, and God doesn't create disease. God doesn't create pain, but he gives you the people, he gives you the strength, he gives you the will to overcome it. You know, the Parkinson's is a condition of my body. Yeah. You know, it's my soul that is, is who I am and, and what's leading me. And it, it took me till last year to actually tell my school community about the Parkinson's, although they noticed my arm shaking. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that, like being younger, being in a leadership position, what's it like to share that news with people? Um, there had to be some, some concern, just kind of... Oh, I tried to hide it as, yeah. as much as I could. You know, are they going to judge me? Uh, mm-hmm. Are they going to think I'm not capable? You know, all those thoughts, but then... The Parkinson's Foundation said, we want you to put this into the, the to light that younger people have this. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. 
um, and just the overflowing uh, of support, the emails and the letters and shaking my hand and, and just the blessings that were poured upon me by, by the community. I mean, that helped me get past the fact that I don't need to hide this. It, it helped me get past the fact that it's, it's just my body and to know that there's always that support and the, the work that, you know, having the opportunity to help others is, is, is huge, huge for me. Have you felt that being open about that has, have you had the experience maybe of someone else then receiving like the freedom to share something with you? Like, have you seen your courage inspire someone else's? Yeah, um, I've I've heard from a couple of parents, you know, things that they're dealing with, um, mm-hmm. uh, some things that their students were dealing with, um, how the parents were actually able to use what I have as a way to help their children who might be battling with dyslexia or, you know, some learning disability or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it's a physical impairment. Um, you know, we had, uh, we had a student um, who had a plastic anemia, um, and that's just a rare blood disorder. And that was when the, the, the ice bucket challenge was popular. Mm. And our, our community brought in $8,000 to help with their bills. And I took 15 gallons of water over the head. Mm-hmm. Um, his sister. That, that's how much it took for you to get completely <laughs> wet. Yeah. You know, his, his, his second grade sister was a 100% match. And she, wow. made, she made the decision to donate her marrow to save him. And he's, awesome. he's doing well. You know, we wow. had a, a young lady with with cancer and it, she's been in recession and 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 um so it's i've you know i tell people that i've seen miracles uh, you know at saint pat's and we we truly truly have seen miracles and um you know with my my dis uh, my di- my disease there's new medications there's new things that come out every every single day and um you know we're just using that to help one another yeah you know i think about like jesus after when he goes to appear to saint thomas after the resurrection right thomas says unless i see the holes Mm. in his hands and the wound in his side and jesus shows those off as like a sign Mm. (laughs) of of his love and so he's almost like bragging about his brokenness right Mm. and uh and in a way he's showing that god's power is stronger than all of the frailty, all of the brokenness of this world. And I think that's a, a beautiful witness for, as you talk yeah. about this, to show mm-hmm. what is a, you know, a disease, something you struggle with. But when you hold that up to the light and you say, like, I'm going to invite Jesus into this part of my life, he Absolutely. is more powerful and he can bring good out of that too. Yeah. I think it's easy to be skeptical, you know, and it's difficult for people to, to, Go, make the time to go to church and bring their children to the Eucharist and open themselves up. But once you do, you, all you have to mm-hmm. do is open that door a little bit and it, he just comes pouring in. Jeremy, let's talk about uh, the pastoral letter. Let's talk about Unleash the Gospel. Do you remember, so it came out in July uh, or June of 2017. Do you remember reading it either that summer or soon thereafter? It was was well, it was the next school year. Um, yeah, I, I was I was a little preoccupied with being my first full year as principal. Yeah. at St. Pat's, but I read it on a bus full of eighth graders on the way to Cedar Point. So you had total focus mm-hmm. and total attention given to they it. They were probably right? really quiet, calm. Well, they were. You know, the back of the bus uh, was full of students on their phones, so it oh. was it was very, very quiet. It really was quiet, but you know, it, it gave you a perspective as you're looking at hmm. 
all of and not all of the kids you know there's a lot that are still engaged and playing cards you know like we used to do but you know looking at so many of them just in the tech in technology it actually gave me more motivation to really dive into it and really open myself up to it because i'm just in that world that we're trying to to change yeah was there anything that kind of jumped out at you at the beginning whether the kind of good or bad habits or some of the guideposts or the action steps or any part of it that really caught your attention well there's i mean there's another number of guideposts in there um that that really stuck out i think i think the overwhelming part of this is how much it talks about all of the different people that are involved in this Hmm. you know and it's it's families it's parishes you know it's the individual you know it 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 covers everyone that if we are going to evangelize if we're going to change the face of the catholic church to to renew it to bring more people back into the doors that it does take everyone working together and sharing that vision to be able to move forward you touched on this a little bit with the testimony part um and you said you you're interested in, in what it takes to build a strong Catholic community. Mm-hmm. What's your perspective on that? What's your like? What? Do you, how do you see that coming out of this? Well, I mean, I can go back to um, you know the the archdiocese or uh, Mans. Mans stands for Michigan Association of Non-Public Schools. That's correct. Wow. Um, <laughs> they they do um, uh, they they did a, an administrators conference and and the gentleman that was speaking in front of us uh, he was talking about when he went to Sweden when they became you know a world leader in education and it wasn't that that the technology they were using or the books but it was that the community hmm. recognized that every interaction they have with a child forms that child wanting people to come and bring their their children to the Eucharist, wanting that that sense of community that every interaction that we have within our community is making a difference in each individual's life. You know, whether it's a passing smile, whether it's holding a door open and welcoming somebody, maybe, you know, you don't get upset if someone's sitting in your pew. You know, I, <laughs> Too far. I, I, I'm I mean, I, I don't like when people sit in my chair in, in, the, in, the, in the workroom either. But, um, you know, it's it really does take everyone that's involved in the program. And, it, and really, you know, the Catholic schools... You know, it starts with us, too, you know, engaging the students and bringing them there ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, when I think about the movement of Unleash the Gospel, I think about it being tied to um, that we want to create a Catholic culture. We want to create a culture here. You know, cultural Catholicism gets knocked around a lot, and Mm -hmm. it should, right, because that's like just what I wear on the outside, and it's not inside Mm -hmm. of me. But a Catholic culture is all those things you're talking about, right? That families and parishes and individuals and kind of the community aspect that Mm -hmm. a parent isn't kind of on an island by themselves raising their child. Or in your role, they don't just ship children to you and say, hey, make my kids Catholic. They can't. That, That we need this whole environment, this whole kind of ecosystem to create a Catholic culture so that you and I can really breathe the faith because that's how we're meant to do it. We're meant to live our faith in every part of our life, and we need support in all those different places. Well, you are the director of evangelization, catechesis, and schools, <laughs> and you are the principal of a school. So, like, yeah. what do you see right now as like the large challenges, and what do you also see as like the large hopes for uh, schooling, Catholic schooling? Yeah, Catholic schools. I think, and Jeremy, jump in here. How whenever you want. I think they are. The premier way for uh, young people to receive the faith. 
Now, we know it's not possible for everyone to send their kids to a Catholic school, Mm -hmm. but the amount of time and exposure that uh, kids have to uh, their faith in the midst of every aspect of the community life, seeing faith integrated with science, seeing Mm. uh, their gifts uh, that they use in math and reading, in social studies, all of those kind of rooted in their discipleship. Uh, yeah. and, and that's why I think Catholic schools are a premier, the premier way for young people to receive the faith. Well, yeah, and because you know the, the the adults that are standing in front of them, you know, not only are we educating them in subject matter, but we're educating them in their faith. You know, and it might be talking about you know in science now who who created that seed that grew into the mm. you know and then and starting there. But you know, even when I was teaching you know middle school language arts, I mean, there's always um, you know a chance to share a story or or connect to your own your own faith. And the more people that they the the kids hear from, the more people they see living out that faith and representing that faith, it's, it's going to help blossom that in, in them. Yeah, so uh, you talk about you know sharing stories or instances of our faith, our tradition in the midst of these mm-hmm. subjects. I think th- that's an awesome way to imbue Catholic culture in this. Uh, I also think about training young people to think about the gifts they have. Like maybe I'm a great artist or I'm good in math or mm-hmm. I have great social skills or I can dunk a basketball, <laughs> Mr. Clark. Um, but I'm to th- tall. <laughs> but to think about all of these gifts I have are to be used through the lens of discipleship. And I think that's what's key, right? So like, if I'm good in science, to lean into that and to really do my best there, right. because God wants that gift, that talent, to flourish and to grow into something bigger and better. Well, we, I mean, we have the opportunity to to use the Catholic lens in in helping, you know, what well, with behavior, with discipline, but with with their education too. Yeah. You know, um, we're all created differently. We all have strengths, and you know, we all. I always talk to the the students, as do my staff. Uh, you know, that we are all sons and daughters of Christ of God. We are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We were created in His image. You know, of all creation. Um, you know, of all the universe. Just thinking about how mass. Mass of the universe is, and we are created in God's image, and He gave us those gifts to use for His purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Everything God made is for us, right? So that we can flourish and give everything back to Him. You guys did a great job on that. <laughs> Good job jumping in. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's all about you know treating others with kindness, you know, mm-hmm. and and obviously with with students. I mean. The, there's going to be behavior problems. They're not always going to get along, but you can still love one another. Mm-hmm. You know, and I all, anytime I go into a classroom, I remind them of that. You know, we all have different likes and dislikes. We all have strengths and weaknesses, whether it's subject area, sports, but they're all gifts from God. But what does Christ tell us is the greatest commandment? You know, he says, love the Lord your God and love one another. All laws, all prophets hinge on these two things. Yeah. That all you have to do is recognize that you're created by God, that you should love one another the way he loves you. And everything else is going to fall into place, you know. And that's we we we. I don't want to even say it as beating a dead horse, but we really do put that into them and engage them with that and have them think about the reasons that they should treat each other the right way and the reasons that they should do their very best with all of their skills. It's interesting. I have a friend who um, does international mission undercover in a nation that has not been formed by Judeo-Christian values, um, which is why he does undercover mission and um and it was interesting because i was talking to him the other day 
And he was like, you know, we don't even realize how much we are formed by these Judeo-Christian values mm-hmm. until you're in a culture that doesn't have them and doesn't mm-hmm. like, doesn't see human beings as like intrinsically valuable, doesn't understand what a notion of love is. Sure. Like, and so it's interesting to hear you say this and be like, to be like forming a child as they are growing that like this is normal and good and like this is the kind of adult that we foresee you becoming Mm -hmm. and just like also knowing that i've been talking to my friend who like works with people who don't have this it's just like really interesting to see like the comparison and contrast yeah and there's a lot of wonderful parts of uh, the kind of the culture that we live in right that we, we do kind of breathe some of that in but we see the fissures and the the broken places in that too. You know, the life in the womb is not protected and, sure. right. and cared about and and not seen as valuable. You know, it's easily discarded. Uh, but I think about the work of Catholic schools as equipping evangelizers. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. that, that you have a role yes. of helping teachers and students. Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared to share the gospel, whatever their walk of life is. Can can you talk a little bit about how you see your role as a principal in in helping your teachers um, become evangelizers and helping them kind of lead these young people throughout the school day and throughout the year? Yeah, well, I mean, and and parents too. And parents, know? yeah, um, sure, yeah. You know, I, I found going from assistant principal to principal, you do work with the parents even more than the students at sometimes. But you know, it's it's encouraging the staff to to be open and to live their faith. You know, and I, I'm very, very lucky that I have many teachers who help remind me of that as well. You know, but, you know, as, as you were saying, Father, about um, in utero, you know, not even just how important the life is, but the from zero to age five are some of the most growing hmm. opportunities. And, you know, it's not just about sending them to a Catholic school. It's, it's what have you done? you know, up until that point as well, you know, because the parents are the first teachers and we're just taking it from there. But, you know, it's the academics, you know, has to be strong. I mean, that's one of the number one things that they say about Catholic schools right now, rather than it being the Catholicism. But we are growing disciples, you know, we are Mm -hmm. trying to grow saints. And so we can have academically strong curriculum that the Archdiocese has put together. But more importantly than any of that is teaching them that they are sons and daughters of the Lord and what that means and how they should live their lives. And and you can't give what you don't have, right? So that has to start with you knowing that and your teachers knowing that so that the students can can pick that up because my impression you talked about eighth grade being one of your favorite grades to teach like eighth graders can smell through inauthenticity like mm-hmm. like nothing yeah, oh, else absolutely. right absolutely. like if you're faking it they're gonna mm-hmm. sniff that out. absolutely and and this and the teachers know that too and you know i i think you know i, I touched on you know Parkinson's, and I mean, on, on occasion, my hand does start, my whole arm does start shaking when I'm talking to to one of the staff, and even that has helped because you know I've been told I forgot that you mm-hmm. have this on top of what you're doing, yeah, and that's why I, you know I put it in their hands too. You know, you tell me if I, if there's more that I need to do for you because I want to make sure that we're doing everything we can for our students. You know, um, there was something that we were talking about earlier uh, that you said. If you could add something to the letter, what you would like to add is a little bit more about suffering. Hmm. What would you have said? What do you think is important to know? Well, you know, it's 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 a difficult job that we all we all have. 
And I think with with the Catholic Church, with a lot of what you hear from the news and, and you hear from individuals who don't fully understand that the church is not a building, the church is a people, you know, and they look at these, you know, the individuals that are always making the, everything that, that's wrong with the world is mm-hmm. ma- what's making the news, yeah. you know, so they listen to that. Um, and we just have to understand that, you know, it is tough to be able to share our faith when you are battling against people that are trying to degrade it or, or to shine a light on the negative aspects of things that might have occurred. But, you know, we have to, I mean, we have to suffer through it. We have to rise above it and, and show people that what the evangelization is about, what does it mean to truly be Christian, and especially as, uh, you know, Catholic uh, people in this world. Yeah, I think that's great. Like the analogy I'm just thinking of is you talked about your own struggles with Parkinson's and, and that you take medication for that, right? Mm-hmm. To bring about some some healing. Like in the church, when there's kind of brokenness or disease, like we need the medication of purification, mm-hmm. repentance, like root, you know, rooting out the disease, um, but also being like knowing that we do that imperfectly, right? right? That while we're here on earth, we're in a valley of tears and there's going to be brokenness. Um, So not to use it as an excuse, not to do the hard work of rooting out what is not of God, Mm -hmm. but also knowing that like um, this is an imperfect place and the only perfection will come on the other side of eternity. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're human beings. Yeah. You know, doing the best we can with, with what we have. But, um, you know, uh, last year there was, the, you know, there was the walkout. I can't remember, remember what was going on in the world that uh, those stu- schools were doing that. There was a violence in the school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I told my pastor that I'm just going to go after school and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to pray. Mm-hmm. And, I, and anyone who wants to join me can join me. And he said, well, how are you going to put it out there? I said, just just like that. And we had over 100 people come, mm-hmm. and it was just silent in the church, and they all thanked us for, for doing that. So, you know, we have to recognize that there is, is sin and there's suffering, but when you bring it back to God, we can get through it. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, Absolutely. right? We were talking about how that's so important, that even in the midst of brokenness, suffering in our lives, in the mm-hmm. church, um, to keep our eyes on Jesus and know that he brings the answer. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy, before we close, we usually ask our guests if there's a, a prayer or, or something they want to share with um, with our listeners or with us, anything that um, that's on your heart you want to share before you leave. It's hard for people to understand, um, you know, fully the role that God has in our lives unless you've had that experience. I just would welcome anyone, you know, in schools, out of schools, to be able to open themselves and share their faith without worry of judgment, you know, and be open to saying a prayer, be open to sharing their experience, and and know that just by giving a little bit of yourself and your connection with God can make a world of difference in that one person, and then they're going to go and talk to others, and it can just spread like wildfire. Amen. I'm so grateful that Jeremy joined us in studio for our Open Door Policy podcast, hearing how God was moving in his life and inspiring me to follow God more closely as well. Be sure to subscribe and like us on iTunes and to bring your friends along for the ride. And if the Holy Spirit has inspired you while listening today, be sure to pass this episode along to someone else who might enjoy it. Open Door Policy was produced at Sacred Heart Major Seminary for the Archdiocese of Detroit. We'd like to thank our creative team, Christine Warner, Ron Pangborn, 
Paul Duda, Patrick Hodgton, Devin Buston, Patty Maldonado, Naomi Vrezo, Joe Peltier, Epsi Christostomo, and Edmundo Reyes. Join us next time when Father Steve brings up radical hospitality. Have you ever had kombucha? I'm Father Steve Pullis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. Hi, this is Danielle from Open Door Policy, and I wanted to let you know that for season two, we have new social media channels for you to connect and follow Open Door Policy. So be sure to follow at Open Door Detroit on Twitter and Facebook. Tell us what you think of the latest episodes and follow along for the latest updates on all things Open Door Policy.